Thanks so much to all you Home Run Club members for your continued support of winning a home. we got a special Christmas message that Dan's going to kick off for us for you. Dan, thanks so much for being with us today, man. Yeah, yeah, good to be here, Steve. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. We, uh, we're recording this a little before we get to the actual Christmas day, but I'm certainly one who past Thanksgiving begins to get into the Christmas spirit. Usually that happens for me in a specific moment. I always look forward to Christmas, but there's usually a place and a moment where Christmas hits me. You know, the Christmas tree went up. My wife put the Christmas tree up. We had some grandkids over, and I was joking with one of my granddaughters about Christmas. Christmas is coming. Can't wait. You guys are going to be buying me gifts, you know, having a little fun with her. And she goes, Papa, Christmas is for kids. <laughs> and I said, it is? And she goes, well, mostly. And I said, why do you think that? Because you guys focus a lot on us at Christmas time. I'm like, okay, I'm not sure we're building a real healthy family here. But she at least picked up on Christmas is for kids. And that theme began to really grow in my heart and my spirit. I'll, I'll share with you why as we go through this. But I begin to think about how much effort and energy we put into making Christmas fun for our children. Would you yeah. be in that camp, well, Steve? Well, 100%. <laughs> I mean, financially, time spent, all the things that you think of that you need to do for your family, we probably take the one day, and if we could spread it out over 365, it would be wonderful, but we spend a lot of it on that one day. Oh, there's so much time, energy, and and passion that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Everything. And I begin to think about that's been true for me since I was a little boy. My grandparents used to create an environment that was probably one of my favorite of the year. You know, growing up in a home that had a lot of dysfunction, it was the one day when all these dysfunctional people seemed pretty normal. Uh, Now, there was some alcohol involved that that kept a few of them. I remember them going out behind the barn, and this little boy like, what is behind that barn? Well, now I know what was behind that barn. And it kept us all functional. My dad would make it a very special day. I've shared that many times, and that's one of the reasons I cherish Christmas so much was because a very um, up-and-down father who probably now, looking back, dealt with bipolar issues, Mm. uh, he was very fun on Christmas Day. So I think about that's true. I, I took my Ivies, my granddaughter that said that. I took that thought, began to run with it, going, oh, my goodness. I did the same thing. Yeah. I took what I was handed, and I made Christmas Day a day of absolutely joy in my home. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock it out on Christmas Day. Obviously, it's all about Jesus. Don't go south on me as I'm sharing this. I'm there too. But I did make Christmas Day a day of fun gifts, fun activities for our children, etc. And this year, as I began to think about that, I thought about the Christmas story going, well, you know, that's true in, in the Bible, too. The story of, of the birth of Christ is recorded in both Matthew and Luke. And in Matthew, the focus there of the baby was the Magi coming to see the baby. And it says, after the Magi came, they left amazed, marveling, wondering. And then in Luke, we get the story of the shepherds after the angels visited them. They went to see this baby, and they left amazed. So, you know, the Christmas story is about kids, too. It's about the birth of Christ, and that's always been a big theme. And this year, as I was thinking about all of that, I reflected. In fact, Steve, we we were talking about this uh, a while back, and we were sharing about how Jesus 
when he became an adult and began to invest in people, there's that moment where he says to his disciples, let the little children come to me. People yeah. saw them as a bother, et cetera. And, you know, we're really good at let the little children come on Christmas Day. I'm all about the grandkids coming over, and they're going to tear my house to shreds, and it'll be wonderful. I'm not, I'm not that way 365 days a year, but Jesus was, and he made a real effort at saying to all of us, let children with their innocence, with their simplicity, let them come to us. Let them come to me specifically, Jesus said. And then I began to think about, could that have way deeper meaning? And it began to dawn on me that there's a lot of kid still in my life. Mm-hmm. I was talking yesterday, Steve. I went over to visit a gentleman. It was interesting. This gentleman thinks he's going to pass in about two months because he has congestive heart failure, and mm-hmm. he was going over his funeral with me. I'm doing the funeral. And we were having this conversation, and he literally said to me, him and his wife, they were together. They said, we have been just thinking about how much of our life was filtered through all the stuff we went through as kids. Hmm. And they confirmed what I'd been feeling in my spirit, that when Jesus said, let the little children come, maybe he wasn't just referring to the four- and five-year-olds. Maybe he was looking at Dan Seaborn and saying, what stuff that you still have remnants of in your life from your childhood that's affecting how you lead winning at home, mm-hmm. how you function yeah. in family settings, how you deal with these things. And, Steve, my mind began to ponder people in Scripture that though we don't get all the details of their life, what happened in their childhood that could be greatly affecting who they became as adults and how did Jesus speak to that? So I begin to ponder that thought. Does that make oh, that's sense? That's a fun insight. I love I love hear, to hear what you're thinking. Yeah, I'd love to hear. You're you're really good at looking at some of those passages of scripture. I'm sure there are many more than I I pondered. I pondered a few, but my favorite one. It's one we're all familiar with. I'm going to go to this story a moment. I'm gonna have you share some insights about this story because of your uh, vast knowledge of Israel in that area. But I began to think about the woman of the well. Hmm. So I went to John chapter 4, and I started reading the story, not thinking about the adult woman at the well, but what got her there. Yeah. How did she end up in this place? And, you know, we know, I want you to share a little bit here, because Jesus is leaving the area of Judea, uh, the beginning part of the chapter. He is being... The Pharisees begin to see that he's baptizing more people than than John, and that's puzzling them. And probably there was going to be some persecution coming his way for doing that sort of thing from the Pharisees. So Jesus leaves Judea and heads to Galilee, and he happens through this Jacob's Well moment in Samaria with this Samaritan woman. That wasn't the way you normally would go, and I want you to speak to that. 
Right. So the the Jews and the Samaritans shared a common lineage, but when the kings, uh, when Israel split, when they kind of had a civil war, when they split into Judah and Israel, um, the Samaritans were kind of like this new racial, ethnic, religious hmm. group that were okay. formed. And the good good Jews, in air quotes, good Jews would have seen them as half breeds. They would have seen them as heretics. Hmm. They would have seen them as people who who don't who don't belong. Like they were not associated with them anymore. So so a good Jew, a good observant Jew, would have actually gone out of their way to avoid Samaria to get to where they're going. So even though the as the crow flies, the straightest distance from where Jesus was leaving to where he was headed was through Samaria, culturally, politically, religiously, people would have attacked extra miles or even days onto their journey just to go around there. Because Jesus walking from Judea to Galilee, where he was going to go, how long would that have taken? What about 80 miles? Yeah. So it would have been three or four day journey. Sure. So that, as I listen to you share that, it even adds more to the thought I'm going for here because this woman would have been rejected by Jews. For a bunch of different reasons. They, in theory, a good Pharisee, a good rabbi like Jesus would have marginalized her because of her gender. Rabbis did not associate with women, would have uh, marginalized her because of her theology. She was a Samaritan. They believed that you worshipped at Mount Gerizim, and good Jews believed that you worshipped at Mount Zion, and then also would have uh, rejected her because of her race. She wasn't She wasn't a pure Jew. She would have been had Jewish roots, but she wouldn't have been 100% a part of their, of their tribe, of their family. So growing up, would she have known all those things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, you'll probably get into it when you look at the passage, but when they have a conversation, she was she said, you Jews believe this. We believe this. Totally, so she yeah. she knew right out of hand that they that she was viewed as less than because she had the wrong bloodline, the wrong gender, the wrong beliefs and some of the wrong lifestyle. So take that scenario, just walking up to the well, she's already way behind in terms of value sure compared to the normal people in society right then you know as they begin to get into the story we all know the story of the woman at the well we know that jesus looked at her and said you're right you're you're not married you you actually have had five husbands and now the one you're living with you're not married to so i want to just take a moment there and go wouldn't it have been true in that culture that the man got to chose to have the divorce she didn't choose those divorces when we get later into the scriptures the pharisees tell jesus they're like hey um you make it sound like we're supposed to stick together based on your reading of genesis but like but moses said that we could have a certificate of divorce and jesus said yeah moses only allowed that because your hearts were hard right but the implication was and, and again i the way that i've i've heard it taught is that in jewish tradition all a man needed to do is to say publicly out loud three times i divorce you i divorce you i divorce you Any it, was, reason. it was done yeah yeah it was so i i tried to think about her age the first time she got married Mm-hmm. Because likely a father chose her husband because mm-hmm. that would have been a beneficial to his family, potentially yeah. some money coming his way, et cetera. I mean, 12, 13? That's very possible. So here's this young girl who at 12 or 13 gets put together with a man who chooses to divorce her for whatever reason, like you yeah. said, then a second one, then a third one fourth one a fifth one so for me I, I can almost come to tears just thinking about what she thought of herself yeah like her even childhood value yeah i am worthless yeah 
I wonder how much little kid was alive in her standing at the well that day. Like what memories she had as a little girl. What happened to her as a little yeah. girl. I don't know. And I, I'm not going to try to say I know. May have had the perfect childhood. But starting with those marriages, it sure didn't go perfect. Yeah. And yeah. I think about how she stood there thinking, I'm not worthy of anything. Yeah. And so many people, there's somebody listening today who, hey, it's 2023, almost 2024. That little kid inside of us that makes us think we're not good enough is alive today. Yeah. And thrives sure. in this culture. Sure. And for me, this hit me really hard on Thanksgiving Day at our home. We had a family conversation, and something triggered a memory and a thought I've had about myself for years that occurred with my father. And as the family was discussing and talking, it was a pretty deep, hard discussion. Things that were being said was setting off all these triggers inside me, enough that I got up and went and stood over on the side. I was not saying anything, but I was going, oh, my word. This is triggering. I am 63 years old, and I have so many triggers igniting inside wow. my body right now. And I literally stood there by the fireplace, and I said to myself, the little kid inside me needs to come to Jesus. And Jesus was saying to my spirit, let the little kid come. Mm, that's good. Let the little kid that's 63 inside of you, then you, you, are, you are bringing thoughts to the thing that's happening right in front of you. You're bringing thoughts that are not healthy. You're bringing thoughts that are not true. You're bringing thoughts that are conditional based on what you faced as a kid. I picture myself standing by the woman at the well when this healer looks at her and says, well, that one you're speaking of, that, that Messiah, that guy, I am he. Yeah. I mean, I get chills in my arms thinking, oh, my word. The little kid inside of her going, are you serious? I get to meet? This, it would have been unreal. Yeah. It would have felt unreal. And to put the shakiness of the moment, they are sitting there having – a conversation that is of such depth that I have to read it 15 times to even get the beginning of it because Jesus is saying things that are so deep. Like, yeah. it's not about the water you're getting there, ma'am. I am the water. Right. I'm sorry. That's confusing to her. Sure. And, sure. and to watch that happen. Then, Steve, in the middle of this incredibly deep conversation, the disciples come walking back from town with food. And she, I don't know if you've ever noticed in Scripture, she never speaks again. She never speaks when they show up because you, you're not supposed to be speaking yeah. as a woman. Yeah. But she ran into town yeah. to release some thoughts that she was having. And I found myself going, I bet that whole run back to town, the little girl inside of her is going, there's hope for me. Yeah. I got a shot. Yeah. I got a chance of getting out of this hopeless, helpless thing that I have always felt about myself from childhood. So good. And for me, Christmas this year hit me really strong going, yeah, I believe in Jesus and, and all those things. And I preach the gospel and good news of the Lord. I love him like crazy. 
But there's a little kid inside of me that's still got some fear and anxiety and worry and self-worth issues. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone. (laughs) I think there's a lot of people listening right now going, I got that too. For sure. And maybe this is the year we say, Jesus, you said let the little kids come. I'm 63 and I'm going to come. So good. I'm 50 and I'm going to come. I'm not going to just... Hey, Christmas is for kids, and I'm one of them. And that hit me this year, Steve, that I'm not going to live the rest of my life with some of that unworthy feeling inside yeah. of me. I, I, I spot it. I see it. It's an insight I think the Lord gave me this year. I really sure. do. Because I never had this thought before. And I believe that day we talk about the woman at the well. At the well I think there might have been a little girl at that well who carried a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And she got to release it that day to the king of the universe. And I want to keep releasing mine. And I want to understand what he's done for me. And I I think I'm only beginning to grasp that. Yeah. And I'll use your little phrase, Steve. Does any of this make sense? <laughs> 100%. And what I love about what you're saying, Dan, is that the woman said, hey, I, have a, I got a question about where to worship. Jesus says, I don't care where you worship. He goes, I care about how you worship. He goes, and when you come to me, I want you to come to me in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And you can come in spirit and truth at 63. You can come in spirit and in truth at 7. Yeah. Like kids, not only do they have joy and wonder, but they have a dis- uncanny ability to recognize what is true and what is not true. And when they come to bring their whole selves into a situation, and I, that that's invitation that I bring out of what you're saying, Dan, is to be able to say, like, man, I want I want the kid in me uh, who knows what's true and who knows what isn't, and who can be available in spirit to to come all the way to Jesus this season. Well, if you think about Jesus at the well, what he kept trying to say were. To her was, listen, I'm telling you the facts. Mm. Here are the facts. Mm-hmm. You know, you've based a lot of your life on feeling. Be past that. Yeah. Let's talk about the facts. I am he. Right. You have redemption. You have hope, etc. And I think uh, we do spend a lot of our time basing our lives on feelings. We can say we don't, but we yep. do. Yep. And so this year, I, I want to just offer a few thoughts um, related to what it means to come to Jesus. What does it mean today for you to let the little kid, the little child inside of you come to Jesus? And I want to I wanna first of all say to some lady, some man who's been through some family heartache, some breaks, some breakups, some divorce, pick it. You, you are the woman at the well. You are the man at the well. Let me tell you today what he gave her at that well was hope beyond her circumstances. Mm-hmm. Her circumstances were going to be that when she got home she's got to figure out to do with what to do with a sixth guy i mean you know it's it's just her reality you're going back and the town knows you've been divorced five times and you're living with the sixth but he gave her hope beyond that he gave her the ability to go but i have met someone who says i'm still worthy yeah that's good i'm worth something sure and there are plenty of people listening to me today and who hear this message who will go well i'm not worthy you know i I talked with a young lady this week who said, I'm not worthy of that. And I'm like, you are. Yeah. And that's going to have to shift in your mind because of Jesus, you are worthy. Yeah. And so today I just want to give you hope beyond your circumstance. If you're listening today and you've got some family stuff or personal stuff going on that's really heavy, 
Um, take that to the Lord. Open your hands. Steve led us in devotions on Monday and told us, look toward the Lord and open your hands toward him. And, and I would say, hand the Lord the stuff you feel you can't handle. Sometimes I will sit by myself and make a list of my circumstantial stuff that weighs me down. I'll literally make the list, mm-hmm. and then I'll go, yeah, Jesus, you can handle them all. That's good. So yeah. maybe do that today. Secondly, I want you to know he receives our brokenness. He, he sees my childhood brokenness and says, I see that, Dan. I see what that's done to you mentally. I see what that's done to you. I see how you did some good works to try to offset some of the things you did wrong in life. I see how hard you try to earn my love. Stop. No more effort needs to be put into that. You got it. So today, in your brokenness, your broken thinking, the broken patterns in yourself, he has those. And he receives those. So I wrote it down this way. He receives our brokenness. He redeems our failures. Um, He did that for the woman at the well. And I'm guessing some of you could say, well, I match her with my failures. Perfect. Then you're, you're included in the group who he redeems. And then he restores my soul. I love that one. Made me think of the 23rd Psalm. You get to verse 3, and David, who had some failures and brokenness, said, he restores my soul. And to me, what that means is this. That woman walked up to that well with a soul that was broken and annihilated and unworthy. And she left that well with restoration. In her soul, she had a new sense of feeling and identity of who she could be because of Jesus' character, because of who God is. And today, that's why we're bringing this message. Somebody listening, you have a broken soul, and you've really struggled with that. And I say to you today, he restores that. He gives hope to that soul, your soul. That's Christmas. That's the message of Christmas. You don't have to live the rest of your life thinking your soul can't return to goodness. We've got two testimonies of it here that I just shared. The woman at the well, there's plenty more stories in Scripture, but David, who by the third verse in the 23rd Psalm says, he restores my soul. He gives me a sense of belonging that the world can't give. We try to restore our soul with things of this world. I've chased some of that. And I'm in ministry, and I chased it by being a good enough preacher. Mm-hmm. And the, the church likes me. The people in the church like my sermons. I, you can say what you want, but that's chasing restoration and a hurting soul. Because no matter what the people say about me, the bottom line is my soul's good because it's God's. Not because somebody yeah. liked my preaching or thinks I'm a good pastor. Nope, none of that. And I've discovered that over the years. That's good. My hope and my redemption today in my soul is good because I have a Savior and a Savior named Jesus. So that's the theme that the Lord has laid in my heart for this Christmas, and I'm going to seek to pass it on. That's such a good word, and it's my prayer that for those of you who are listening, when you come to Christmas this year, you can come with that great sense of expectation, that sense of innocence and wonder, but mostly, like you just said, Dan, hope. Yeah, and I, I pray that 
this will be an encouragement to your spirit. We're so grateful for you believing in what we do here at Winning at Home. You know, our theme this year has been Say Christ Clearly, and I hope we're finishing our theme well by pointing you this Christmas to a man named Jesus who was a little child who grew up to be the Savior of the world. And today I'm challenging you to receive that Savior and to look at your own life and ask yourself, what's the little kid in me that needs to come to Jesus this year? Take that step and do so with joy and hope, and your circumstances might feel hard, but he is redeeming Jesus. I pray you'll experience that in your personal life, in your family life, and in all the things the Lord brings your way, especially as we head into 2024. So, Steve, you want to just pray over us and pray the Lord will continue to be with those who maybe need to take a step today of moving a little closer to Christ. Sure. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for the invitation that you offered so long ago uh, to that woman at the well to know you, to trust you, to find hope in you. And she responded with a resounding yes. And to anybody who's listened to our voices today who feels stuck in a spiral of shame or guilt or doubt or fear or insecurity, I pray that we would hear your voice just break through that fog and that spiritual chaos and that we could hear you speak clearly to us, inviting us to know you, to find our hope in you, to find our redemption in you, to put our brokenness in your hands and trust you to transform it into something beautiful. God, thank you so much for being our Prince of Peace, our mighty God, our, our wonderful counselor. And I pray that we, we would take steps towards you this season and that when this, when this Christmas is all said and done, when the dust is settled and the wrapping paper has all been thrown away, mm -hmm. I pray that we would know in our heart of hearts uh, that you see us, that you know us, and that you, uh, you want good for us and that your hope for us is something strong and powerful and beautiful. So give us the grace uh, to move in the direction that you're calling. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for being a part of our Home Run Club and for supporting what we do here at Winning at Home. We're so grateful, and we pray the Lord will bless you and your family as you share Christmas together. Thank you again.